Hello, and welcome to Speaking Startup, Missouri Business Alerts podcast covering the news and issues important to Missouri entrepreneurs. I'm Megan Liz Smith, and joining me as always is the marvelous Annika Merrilies. <laughs> Thanks, Megan. One of these weeks, you're going to have to let me introduce you so I can return all these amazing compliments I get at the start of every episode. I know. It's my favorite thing. I try and find a fun new adjective every week. <laughs> we have two topics lined up for today's roundtable. First, Lou Fest. The St. Louis Music Festival was unexpectedly canceled three days before it was scheduled to begin. Then I'll be talking about what's happening with STEM education in Missouri. After that, Missouri Business Alert reporter Elliot Bauman talks to Scott Latham, a startup veteran and management professor, about the strategy and risks behind Scooter Startup's aggressive go-to-market strategy. Next, a fun segment looking at some important numbers in startup and entrepreneurship news. And to finish it off, we'll fill you in on other entrepreneurship stories you should know from this week. Now, let's get started with the roundtable. LouFest, the St. Louis music festival that's been around since 2010, was scheduled to take place this Saturday and Sunday. Concert goers were excited to see artists like Modest Mouse, The Head and the Heart, and T-Pain perform live in Forest Park. Until this message appeared on the festival's website. Dear St. Louis, we are sad to announce that LouFest 2018 has been canceled. Oh my god, that's so disappointing. Yeah, this is pretty huge news because LouFest has been around since 2010. And message was posted Wednesday at 1.45 in the morning, only 83 hours before the festival was scheduled to start. Yikes. So are, are people going to get reimbursed for their tickets? Yes, fortunately they will be. But unfortunately for the company, it's not coming from them. Listen Live Entertainment says the ticketing company, Frontgate Tickets, will be responsible for refunding festival goers while they work to repay their debts. Meanwhile, vendors who plan to set up shop at Lufest are in a much trickier spot. How did this happen so last minute? On Friday night, St. Louis Public Radio reported that several vendors contracted to do crucial work at the event had dropped out, citing persistently delayed payment from the promoter. Although Listen Live Entertainment was already plagued with existing debt, in Wednesday's cancellation announcement, they said they would have been on target to overcome setbacks regarding lost sponsors and contractors, as well as debt-driven financial difficulties, if it hadn't been for a bit of unfortunately timed media coverage. The company said the negative headlines caused many of our vendors and artists to demand upfront payment, just days before gates were set to open. Lufest simply couldn't make that happen. So who's behind LouFest and, and who's responsible for the festival having to cancel at the last minute? Well, LouFest was founded in 2010 when Brian Cohen founded Listen Live Entertainment to produce the event. Early years featured The Hold Study, TV on the Radio, Jeff Tweedy, and The Flaming Lips. And then Listen Live Entertainment worked with Austin, Texas-based C3 Presents, which also produces Lollapalooza from 2013 to 2015. And attendance increased dramatically, with acts including Arctic Monkeys, Ludacris, Hosier, and the Yvette Brothers. But then, in the same year that C3 Presents left the festival, Cohen also went on to sell his stake in Listen Live Entertainment in 2016, leaving Mike Van Hee and Rich Toma to run the operation. For this year's festival, Van He and Toma announced the largest lineup in Lufest history, with more than 40 acts slated to perform. That's interesting that the festival's founder left the company in 2016, and, and now they're having these problems. Yeah, for whatever reason, Van He and Toma just weren't able to raise enough money to keep it going. And what about all the, what about all the food vendors who now might be left with too much supply? Well, they had to pay a fee up front, buy the supplies, and hire employees. And there's little indication that they will be reimbursed for any of it. And to summarize, well, a major St. Louis event has come to an end, at least for now.
We'll just have to wait and see what the future holds. All right, well, that's it for LuFest. Let's move on to a special session. So, (laughs) Missouri Governor Mike Parson recently announced a special legislative session. It will take place next week from September 10th through 14th, and one of the priorities will be increasing access to computer science courses and building awareness of career opportunities through STEM. You know, I remember us talking about a STEM education bill that Parson vetoed back in July. Is this announcement related to that? It is. I looked back in the Speaking Startup archives and we talked about this back in late July. Um, Just to recap, there was a bill that did several things to promote STEM education for Missouri. For one, it would have allowed high schools to count computer science courses the way they count math, science, or practical arts classes rather than counting them as electives. And as you might expect, business groups like the KC Tech Council were advocating for the bill and school counseling organizations were more opposed to it, worrying that it would allow students to opt out of math classes in favor of computer science. Right. And as I remember it, it was kind of a shock to people when Governor Parsons vetoed it. It was. Parson has time and time again stated that workforce development is a top priority for him. In a release Tuesday, he said, quote, as governor, it is my responsibility to give students every opportunity to be fully equipped with the skills they need to enter Missouri's workforce. The bill seems to have been written with workforce development in mind, so it was a bit of a surprise. Yeah. So remind me again, why was it vetoed? A portion of the bill would have required the education department to pick the provider for online STEM courses, and Parsons said he vetoed it partly because he felt it favored one particular vendor. It seems that he just didn't want to approve of the bill the way that it was written, but the special session is an opportunity to rework it. So during the special session, they'll try and rework the bill into something less narrowly written? Yeah, that's the idea. Um, And Parsons spent time in Springfield, Hannibal, and at the Launch Code Mentor Center in St. Louis Tuesday, holding press conferences around the state to talk about the session. They can't possibly be holding an entire special session for this one bill, though, right? No, there will definitely be other things going on. There's also a bill related to expanding drug treatment courts that Parson had also vetoed, and the special session will run concurrently with the veto session, and they're doing that in the hopes of saving some taxpayer money. Hmm. So if Missouri lawmakers convene next week to discuss all this, when can Missourians expect to actually see the effects? The hope is that with the special session happening now, the Education Department will be able to start implementing all this for the 2019-2020 school year. And to summarize... The push to build a stronger workforce for Missouri's technology sector is ongoing, and the legislature will use this special session to try and work out some of the concerns that were raised with this particular STEM education bill. Well, I think that's it for the roundtable. Next, Missouri Business Alert reporter Elliot Bauman talks to Scott Latham, a professor and startup veteran, about scooter startups. Bird scooters are the leaders in a booming electronic scooter sharing industry and have flocked to several cities in Missouri with no prior notice. I talked with Scott Latham, a veteran of the tech industry with research expertise in business startups, about Bird's aggressive don't ask permission, ask forgiveness business strategy. How would you describe that business strategy and what do you believe their goal is? As far as the business strategy is concerned, there is some genius to it. The business model that they're adopting is one that I was very familiar when I worked in the dot-com industry. These companies are trying to build first-mover advantage. That's what they're trying to do. They're trying to get out there so that they get mass. They want to grab real estate. Um, The second thing they want to do is they want to grab customers. You know, you saw it happen with Uber and 
they got out of the gate really quick and they offered a lot of aggressive promotions so that Uber became the dominant platform. You also have to understand that the underlying dynamic comes from the VCs, the venture capitalists that are invested a lot of money in these companies. You look at someone like Bird, I think their valuation is $2 billion. The VCs, I would guarantee if you and I could be a fly on the wall or listen to some of the phone calls that they're having with some of the executives at these scooter sharing companies, they are pressuring them to be very, very aggressive. Because venture capitalists, they see these dynamics occur in markets again and again. You don't want to be the last to market. You want to be the first mover or you want to be called what's called the fast follower. And that's typically the second person. By most accounts, it looks like it has about a 10% operating margin, which means running the business, you're making about 10% profit on every dollar that you invest. And so the problem with that is, is you're like, well, 10%, that's not bad. A lot of industries have you know margins like that. Mm-hmm. That doesn't incorporate all the legal costs, all the marketing costs, all the general administrative costs. It's just the operating costs. And I would tell you, I bet if you, and you, you'll never get them, I will never get them uh, until these companies go public. I bet their number one cost right now is buying and distributing the scooters. But number two, I guarantee it's legal. I mm. guarantee it. This company probably subcontracts and employs more lawyers to fight these cities to get, you know, drop their scooters off. They'll be in, you know, large metropolitan areas that also have to be weather friendly. Think about it. You're calling me from Missouri. I'm going to St. Louis. I'm sorry. <laughs> in the winter, it's a mess. It is an absolute mess. It's not agreeable to operating a scooter sharing service. It just isn't. I think that's going to be, you know, the biggest challenge. You you can't have this whole segment of the economy going underground because if you think about it, they're using roads that you and I are paying for. That is going to be another challenge for the birds of the world, how to be good citizens. You know, you can't just go out there and make a profit on the back of you know, the general infrastructure without having a compelling way that you're going to be supportive of that infrastructure. Absolutely. And many cities are still working out how to fit the scooters into the city code. And if there isn't even a need for any regulations, I spoke with the city councilman um, in Columbia today, and he was talking about how his legal team was basically working overtime trying to see if they were breaking any rules, if so, what rules they were breaking, what type of risk does that pose to Bird when they just deploy these scooters without any prior notice? Well, I'll tell you what. I think it was pretty funny in San Francisco. It was supposedly an open process for the permits to operate the scooters in the city. And the Skip and Scoot, which are really smaller players, got the permits. Bird and Lime which basically, not to be crass, but over the past year, have been given the city of San Francisco the big middle finger, they got pushed out. And if you read the press releases, several of the city officials said, well, you know what? We did take into account whether or not you were cooperative and helped us solve this model together. In effect saying, because of Bird and Lime just dropped the scooters on the streets, guess what, folks? We didn't pick you. But this gets to your original thesis. There's some risk here. There really is. The cities, they don't want Bird and Lime to win. They don't. Because if there's these big, strong scooter companies 
with a lot of customers that love them. They have the real estate. They have the infrastructure. They can push back against the city. So that's a power struggle. And the cities don't want to feed these huge, powerful scooter companies because then it becomes this unequal playing field. And now it's time for a look at some important numbers in this week's startup news. It's Can I Get Your Digits? Annika, can I get your digits? This week, my number is 500,000. On Tuesday, Launch KC announced 20 finalists who are competing for $500,000 in grants. And so you might remember Arch Grants, who we heard from in the form of an interview with Executive Director Emily Lozebush in a previous episode. And this is a program kind of like that, that incentivizes businesses to locate in Missouri. Grant recipients are required to locate their businesses in Kansas City if they're not already based there. Hmm. Interesting. Megan, can I get your digits? My number is 56. That's the percent of business owners who expect their revenues to rise in the coming year, 56%. This is according to the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, who conducted a survey of 1,000 business owners during June and July. Okay, so more than half of business owners expect to see higher revenue in 2019. Yes. So is that very optimistic? Is that uh, fewer business owners than we've seen in past years? Yeah, well, I mean, it's pretty interesting because they surveyed the same business owners previously in the year, and at that point, 62% of them said they expected higher revenues. So, yeah, the number's gone down, and, I mean, there's not a clear reason for why those numbers have gone down. Interesting. Since we deal a lot with startups, I think of business owners in the startup world as being, like, super optimistic, so I would have expected a much higher number, but maybe, like, across the broader community, this is a little more realistic. We've already talked about two startup stories from this week's news, but there's plenty more that you shouldn't miss out on. So without further ado, here's the week's startup headlines. Annika, do you want to read us the first one? Uh, Sure do, Megan. (laughs) Um, So first up, we've talked about car sharing, ride sharing, scooter sharing, and bike sharing on this podcast. And now there's a new kind of car service that's growing. In this week's news, we're seeing car subscription services. So companies like Clutch Technologies, an Atlanta-based startup, uh, are doing this, as well as even the giant automaker Ford has jumped in through a San Francisco-based subsidiary called Canvas. What's next, Megan? Well, on Tuesday, Amazon temporarily reached over $1 trillion in value, crossing the same threshold that Apple did last month. Annika, next one. A report released Tuesday says economic conditions in nine Midwest and Plain states, including Missouri, leaped forward during last month. Ooh. And uh, finally, Megan, what's our last headline? All right. Well, to finish it off, Boeing, which formerly had its defense unit headquarters in St. Louis, beat out two other bidders for an $805 million U.S. Navy contract to design, deliver, and support four fueling drones. So way to go, Boeing. As always, let's end this week with an entrepreneurship quote. All right, Megan. So what entrepreneurship quote did you choose for this week? I have one from Stephanie Medina, the Director of Operations for PlexPod, a co-working space in the Kansas City area. They have a new wing in their Westport Commons office called Her Space, an area targeted specifically towards women. And 90% of PlexPod employees are women, so creating Her Space was a natural next step. So what did Medina say? Well, she recently spoke to Alyssa Besner of Startland News about the value of co-working spaces, and this is what she said. I think the great thing about co-working is being in a community and collaborating together. 
So we want people to come in, see the space, and express in their own words what they think would add value to it. So it sounds like she's expressing that co-working is really about community. Yeah, that's interesting. It's not just having, you know, a few square feet to put your desk and your laptop and get to work. It's also the people who are around you and, you know, who build up your energy every day when you go in and, you know, change what your work environment is like. Yeah, it's a community of entrepreneurs. This has been Speaking Startup from Missouri Business Alert. This episode was produced, edited, and hosted by Anna Camerlees and me, Megan Liz Smith. Our theme music was produced by Poddington Bear. We'll speak to you next week.